brought your Bible, go with me, please, to the book of Job. Job chapter 13. Job chapter 13. Si trajo su Biblia esta noche, va conmigo al libro de Job. Capítulo 13 del libro de Job, verso 1 y 4. Job chapter 13, verse 1 through 4. Praise the Lord. Don't you love his presence? Job said, Behold, my eyes have seen all this. My ear has heard and understood it. What you know, I also know. I am not inferior to you. But I would speak to the Almighty, and I desire to argue with God. But you smear me with lies, for you are worthless physicians. I want to use the subject tonight, do you know a good doctor? Quiero usar por tema esta noche, ¿conoces a un buen doctor? Ask your neighbor, do you know a good doctor? All right, let's answer that question tonight. Father, we thank you for your word, which is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. I pray tonight that as we come to the word, that we would find the encouragement of the spirit in our hearts. And I ask you in Jesus' name to anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God, and that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation, that in hearing the word, they might receive it as seed sown into the fertile soil of their hearts. I ask this in Jesus' name, the church that is strong and powerful. Amen. Amen. You may be seated for a moment, a few moments this evening. Do you know a good doctor? It seems like when I uh, hang out with older people, this is always a topic among them. No offense on old people, but it uh, seems like the older you get, the more need you have for doctors, right? It's just a natural part of life. I get an amen from the back there. The Brother Joe is bearing witness. And often the question is asked, do you know a good doctor? Do you know a doctor that can help or heal this particular infirmity? And I want to speak tonight about the doctors that many times we seek out, which are hopelessly incapable of delivering us in our hour of need. The Bible tells us of a man named Job who had been afflicted by a terrible test. And this was a satanic a test and a, 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 a great deal of pressure had been placed upon him. He suffered hardship and horror as we would not want to wish upon even the worst of our enemies. In one single day he lost all that he possessed and if that were not enough, he lost every one of his children. Then the Bible says that the enemy touched his physical body, making him sick. And alongside of Job came four counselors, four men who were presumably going to be the, uh, the aid and comfort of Job in his hour of need. But they turned out to be, as Job would describe them, Miserable physicians. 
They did real well for about seven days because the Bible says that for seven days they said nothing. You know that many times when someone is going through a hardship, the best thing you can do is just be there. Sometimes words don't help. Sometimes words are a nuisance. Because often words are not enough. And many times if you've ever been in an hour like that when, when you are grieving or you are uh, trying to assimilate the loss of a loved one or trying to, to figure out what just happened when the doctor said you had a, a disease or, or the lawyer told you there was no remedy for your case and you're trying to figure it all out and then these miserable counselors come around. And they tell you, well, you know, if you had done this or if you had done that or on and on. And it doesn't help, does it? Sometimes it's just better to be quiet. Job había pasado una terrible aflicción perdiendo todo lo que poseía en un día. Y encima de eso perdió todos sus hijos y también uh, perdió su salud. Y en esto vienen cuatro amigos a quererlo consolar. Y por siete días lo consolaron bien bonito porque no dijeron nada. Pero luego comenzaron a hablar. Y entre más hablaban, menos ayudaban. Y dijo Job, ustedes son miserables doctores. Miserables consejeros. Ustedes no, no me están ayudando para nada. Y se encuentra en necesidad de un buen doctor. Have you ever been around miserable counselors? Doctors who had no hope. Can I tell you about some doctors that... Maybe you have visited and uh, which others are visiting today. The first doctor I want to talk about is Dr. Unbelief. El primer doctor del cual yo quiero hablar es el doctor de la incredulidad. This doctor says it is a lost cause, an impossible situation. Este doctor de la incredulidad te dice, este es un caso perdido. No hay nada que puedas hacer para librarte de esta situación. Estás en un caso perdido. You are in a lost cause. You might as well give in. You know, friends, that unbelief is the great, the great enemy of the church. It's the great enemy of the believer. Sometimes we think that the enemy of the church might be sickness or disease or maybe the lack of finances. We think the enemy of the church might be um, somebody who's talking bad about us. No, friend, the greatest enemy of the church is unbelief. If the church can believe God, anything is possible. He said, have I not told you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God. So the great enemy of the church is unbelief. But Dr. Unbelief comes around sometimes and he gives you a prescription for doubt. A veces llega el doctor de la incredulidad y nos da una receta para la duda y la incredulidad. Y ese es el gran enemigo de la iglesia. El gran enemigo de la iglesia no es la falta de recurso o la, o, o la, la escasez de salud, sino el gran enemigo de la iglesia es una iglesia incrédula, un pueblo que no le puede creer a Dios. How many times we read, read, read of Jesus in the gospel saying to the disciples, why could you not believe? Where was your faith? Doctor Unbelief will write out a prescription for your life saying it's impossible, it's lost. And I want to tell you, if you have been to see Dr. Unbelief, 
I know a better doctor. Si usted ha visitado al doctor de la incredulidad, yo conozco un doctor mejor que ese. There is another doctor today that is going around uh, and he is teaching uh, a lie. He is teaching a falsehood. This is a doctor that says there is no devil. There is no hell. This doctor has written a prescription for many in the United States of America. Otro doctor que ha llegado y ha salido en nuestro día es el doctor de que dice no hay diablo y no hay infierno. This doctor says you don't have to worry about how you live. There are no consequences for how you live. Este doctor te dice, no hay consecuencias para como tú vives, porque al fin y al cabo no hay, no hay diablo y no hay infierno, no hay nadie al cual vas a tener que rendir cuenta. There is no one to whom you will have to give an account. And friend, this doctor has written so many prescriptions and they have damned and condemned the souls of men to an eternal hell. Este doctor ha escrito tantas recetas que ha enviado a muchos a un infierno eterno some of you have been listening to him some of our young people our teenagers have been listening to him and he has told them there is no judgment there is no consequence there is no answer no day of answering for your life let me tell you friend that he is a liar and the father of lies There is a devil who is set, dead set on destroying your soul. The devil does not love you. He doesn't even like you. He hates you and he wants to destroy you. Jesus said that he came to steal, kill, and destroy. And that is his ultimate goal for your life. You let him in and he will take a mile. You think, oh, I'm just going to play around with the devil. The devil is not a playmate. He is an absolute enemy of your soul. And he'll tell you, there's no hell, friend. Jesus said there was a hell and I believe Jesus. Jesus. There is a place destined for those who reject Christ. A place that God prepared for the devil and for his angels. And friend, it is a place to which those will go who have not put their faith in Christ. I don't desire that any of you should go there. But let me tell you, there is a place called hell. And there is, it is a reality. And someday, Many, many millions will enter into that eternal lake of fire without remedy for their soul. And this doctor deceivingly will tell them there is no hell until they have entered headlong into, the, into a, a, an eternity which they cannot change. Doctor, no devil. Doctor, no hell. I know a better doctor. For Dr. No Devil, Dr. No Hell is a liar, but I know Dr. Truth. He said that if you would know the truth, it would set you free. So this morning, this evening, I want to tell you that you don't have to yield entirely to him. There is a greater physician than that. There is yet another doctor that is lying to us today, and this is Dr. Good Enough. Dr. Good Enough will tell you all you have to do is, is live a little bit right. Just do, just do the best you can. Get as close to, to religion as you can. You don't have to go overboard with it. You don't have to have a prayer life. You don't have to be, read your Bible. Just do good enough and, and you'll be all right. And Dr. Good Enough will tell you if you do enough good deeds, God will take you in the end. God will receive you into heaven. Friends, Dr. Good Enough is not good enough. 
But the Bible said there is not one righteous, not even one. That means there is not one who is good enough. Hay otro doctor, el cual es el doctor que dice, haz solamente un poco de, de bien, eso es suficiente. Ese doctor te dice que si tienes una poca de religión, si tienes una poca de religión vas a entrar al cielo. Pero amigo, eso no es suficiente. Jesús dijo, no hay ni uno bueno, ni solamente uno. There's not one righteous, not even one. Not one who seeks God. Not one who does any good. That is the plague of humanity. The only way that you and I can ever find to seek God is when God draws us by the Holy Spirit into relationship with himself. And friend, you'll never be good enough on your own. All of your good works, all of your accomplishment, all of your achievements are desperately lacking when they come to the standard of God. All of my titles and all of my positions cannot make me right with God. All of the ability of my soul to do good deeds is not enough. There is only one who can make me good enough and his name is Jesus. He shed his blood on the cross to save and redeem mankind from sin and And only he can make me right before God. And when he makes you right before God, there's none who can make you unright before God. Somebody say amen. Hay uno el cual sí te puede hacer bien con Dios, el cual puede justificarte delante del Padre y ese es Jesús el cual derramó su sangre por ti en la cruz y él y solamente él puede librar tu corazón del pecado. Ese es el doctor que tú necesitas. Another doctor that is out there today is a doctor that says, you have enough time. Otro doctor que hay por allá es el doctor que dice, tienes tiempo. You have all the time in the world. Tienes todo el tiempo en el mundo. Doctor, you have enough time, will tell you, you don't have to worry about getting things right with God. Don't worry about living right. You just, you just have enough time. You can, you can make up for it later. Right now, you just live uh, love and be happy. Enjoy your life. Take pleasure in your life. And uh, this doctor will send you into believing that you have an eternity to make things right with God. But the Bible tells us that we don't have Tomorrow. Tomorrow doesn't belong to us. Tomorrow belongs to God. Today is a day of decision. Today is the time for choosing. El, el, el otro doctor te dice, tiene suficiente tiempo. No hay apuro. You see, the devil has taken many people to hell, not by telling them that they were going to be able to, that they didn't need Jesus. He just told them, you don't need him right now. Receive him later. El diablo se ha llevado muchos al infierno, no porque les dijo, no necesitas a Jesús, pero les dijo, no lo necesitas ahora. The Bible says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Dice la palabra del Señor, hoy, si oyeres su voz, no endurezcas tu corazón. You know the great tragedy of the American gospel is this, this lie that says you have all the time in the world. We say, come. Whenever you're ready. Una de las tragedias del evangelio americano es que decimos, ven cuando estés listo. But Jesus didn't say that, did he? Jesus said that you cannot come unless the Spirit draws you. 
Jesús no dijo ven cuando estés listo Jesús dijo no, no, no puedes venir si el Padre no te llama That's why when I began to make an invitation in Sunday morning or in a Sunday evening and I began to call people to repentance and you're a believer, you need to start praying desperately that those people who are in between decision would make a decision for Christ that moment because if God is calling them right then and there, they may not get another call. The proverb said there is one who is often reproved. He's often called, and yet he stiffens his neck. He says no. He puts it off for a later date, and that, that one will be suddenly cut off, and that without remedy. So when he calls, you come. Don't delay. Don't say tomorrow. Don't say as the king, when Paul, the, the apostle, witnessed to him, he said, oh, you almost convinced me. I need some time to think about it. No, friend. Today is the day. You don't have that kind of time. Eternity is too long. Life is too short for you to gamble. With doctor, you have enough time. There's another doctor that will say to you, it's too late. Doctor too late will tell you, you have missed your opportunity. He'll say to you, you've messed up. You blew it. You sinned. You failed. You fell short. God doesn't have anything left for you. He'll tell you that you are finished, that you are done, that your life is a mess and it'll always be a mess. He'll tell you that your finances are broken and they'll always be broken. He'll tell you it's too late to fix the mess you've made. Can I tell you, friend, that while you're drawing breath on this earth, if you can extend your faith toward God, it is never too late. God is able to fix and re remedy every mess in your life. It's not too late. El otro doctor te dice, es muy tarde. Ya es demasiado tarde. Ya erraste. Ya hiciste el, el problema. Ya causaste el fracaso. Y te dice, ya no hay remedio para ti. Pero hoy te digo, hermano, que si puedes extender tu fe a Jesús, Él tiene el remedio para tu vida. No es muy tarde. Si todavía estás respirando en esta tierra, hay un médico que tiene esperanza There is going to be a day when it's too late. Someday, and pardon my reference because I've preached so many funerals this month, I'm thinking about funerals right now. But uh, there's going to be a day when I'm going to preach your funeral. I have a lot of faith, all right? I'm going to live long and I'm going to preach most of your funerals. And that day will be too late. On that day, you won't be able to preach anymore. You won't be able to sing anymore. You won't be able to worship. You won't be able to attend church services. You won't be able to, to uh, reconcile. You won't be able to forgive. You won't be able to do anything. It'll be done. Then it'll be too late. Can I tell you, if you're going to serve God, serve him now. If you're going to live for God, live for him now. If you're going to preach, preach now. If you're going to witness, witness now. If you're going to worship, worship now. If you're going to do it, do it today. This is your day. It's not too late yet, but it will be someday. Ask your neighbor, do you know a good doctor? How 
I want to tell you about two people that found a good doctor. The first one is a woman. Well known to most of us in the scripture. She suffered for 12 years with an issue of blood. Voy a hablar esta noche de dos personas que hallaron un buen doctor. La primera es una mujer la cual es bien conocida para nosotros. Ella sufrió 12 años con la misma enfermedad, un fluir de sangre. And the Bible said that she had used up all of her money on physicians. Le había invertido todos sus dineros a los médicos. Y nadie la pudo curar. No one could cure her. No one could do anything for her. Nadie podía, podía hacer nada para ella. But then one day she heard that a man named Jesus was coming through town. Un día ella escuchó que había un, un varón llamado Jesús el cual obraba milagros. She heard that this man was a miracle worker, that he was the healer of the sick and the broken. And when she heard that, faith rose up in her heart. Have I not told you that faith comes by hearing? All she had to do was hear. I'm sure the doctor unbelief came around and said, now, 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 don't get out of your uh, pattern here. You know, you have been trying it like this forever, and it's bound to work someday, so just sit tight. What does this rabbi have to do for you? He's not a specialist in women's health. You're going to get up, get out of bed, go out into the crowd. You're going to get worn out. You're going to get tired. You might as well just stay home, watch some Christian television, and wait for a better day. Has he ever showed up at your house? Dr. Unbelief will tell you, you might as well not go to church today. You might as well not go to prayer meeting. You might as well, might as well not get up to pray uh, or read the Bible. It's just, it's always the same. But I'm sure she said to the doctor on belief, look, you tried, you failed. I'm going to get a better doctor. I'm going to get a second opinion. She got up that day, perhaps out of strain and, and, and physical weariness, just, just the effort. When you're sick, the effort of getting out of bed, it's a big deal. Ella enferma, uh, yo creo que vino el doctor de la duda y le dijo, no lo hagas, no te levantes, mejor quédate en casa. ¿Qué va a hacer este rabino para ti? Acabo él no se especializa en, en, en sanidad para mujeres, pero ella se levantó y enferma comienza a, a tomar sus pasos así a Jesús. She starts to take some steps toward Jesus. I love how the gospel describes it where it says that she thought. Faith always begins with a thought. Ella pensó y la fe siempre piensa o siempre comienza con un pensamiento. Faith always begins with a, with a what if. La fe comienza con un pensamiento. ¿Qué si 
Hago esto. ¿Qué si pasa esto? Y ella comienza a pensar en lo que puede ocurrir si ella solamente toca el, el borde de su vestido. She says, if I can but touch the hem of his garment. She started to think about it. Friend, when, when faith starts thinking, let it think. Feed it. Cuando la fe comienza a operar, déjala operar. Porque la incredulidad te va a sacar de tu milagro. Unbelief will talk you out of your miracle every time. So when faith rises up, you, you need to start nourishing faith. And when you get that what if and you say, what if I go over there and I, and I make, this, uh, make this decision and what if God honors it? And then you start thinking, you know what, if he did it for Moses and if he did it for Daniel and if he did it for David, then why won't he do it for me? And you start building up your faith. Those are faith vitamins. They help your spiritual immune system. Cuando usted deja la fe que opere y usted comienza a decir, si lo hizo para Moisés y lo hizo para Daniel, ciertamente lo puede hacer para mí. Usted está dando vitamina a su fe. Doctor Unbelief will say, you know, uh, Moses is dead. Daniel's long gone. Where's John? You know what you need to do and, and say in that moment, you say, look, Moses is dead, Daniel's dead, John is dead, but God is not dead. God is alive and I believe God. Yo le creo a Dios. And you know, some of you have had some God ideas. I told you to write them down, but you are, you're being a little bit hard-headed about it. You haven't written it down because you are, you're listening to Dr. Unbelief. God can't use me like that. Why not? If he used a fisherman like Peter, he can use you, friend. God has put ideas and plans in your heart. And he said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to do something great for me. And you need to feed that faith. Let it operate. Let it work. Let it take over. Before you know it, it will be a reality in your life. And it will begin to prosper as God, as God intends. And she thought about it and then she acted on it. She took a step of action. She said, if I could but touch the hem of his garment. And she went out into that crowd. And against the press of many people, she reached out and touched the great physician. Ella en, el, en aquel gentiazo extendió su mano y tocó el borde del vestido de Jesús. And the Bible says that she was healed. Instantly. Instantaneamente, ella fue sana. I imagine the crowd was, was uh, going about their daily business and some of them were trying to get Jesus' attention. Jesus was actually on his way to perform another miracle. This woman is actually interrupting the agenda, but all of a sudden she has touched the hem of his garment and king and, and the great physician has made her whole and then Jesus reacts in such an extraordinary way. He stops and he says, who touched me? 
Jesús se detiene y dice, ¿quién me tocó? And you know, I'm sure Peter, because he was the chairman of the, of the critique committee, he said, Lord, you know, there's a thousand people out here. Everybody's touching you. What do you mean, who touched me? Yo me imagino que de, le dice Pedro, al Señor, uh, no sé qué estás hablando, estamos entre mil personas acá en la multitud, ¿por qué dices que alguien me tocó? Todos te están tocando. And he was right. Everybody was touching Jesus, but not everybody was touching Jesus. Todos estaban tocando a Jesús, pero no todos estaban tocando a Jesús. Same thing happens in church, doesn't it? Everybody is in church, but not everybody is in church. Everybody's worshiping, but not everybody is touching Jesus. And you can tell, can't you, when, when somebody gets a hold of Jesus, it doesn't matter who's standing next to them. It doesn't matter how sophisticated they are. When they get a touch of Jesus, they know that they have been made whole. And something comes out, a glory, a hallelujah, a praise God, an expression of thanksgiving. Somebody touch me. It is my prayer and desire that every Sunday heaven's agenda will be interrupted and God will say, hey, who touched me? Somebody down there at Kingsway Church stretched out their hand and they touched me. Hallelujah. He says, I know somebody touched me because virtue, power was drawn out of me. My Lord, faith will make a withdrawal without a, without a withdrawal slip. Have you made a faith withdrawal lately? Dijo Jesús, yo fui sano, yo sentí que virtud salió de mí. Poder salió de mí. Tell your neighbor, I know a good doctor. Virtue comes out of him. Let me tell you about one more. His name was Paul. Otro llamado Pablo. Paul, the Bible says, suffered from a thorn in the flesh. Dice la Escritura que Pablo sufría de un aguijón en su carne. Scholars debate about what the thorn in the flesh was. It's not clear. It's really not important. But he said that three times he implored the Lord to remove it from him. Tres veces se le dijo al Señor, Señor, quita este aguijón de mi carne. What was this thorn in the flesh? It wasn't speaking of a physical thorn, but an, an, a malady or a condition in his life that was constantly agitating him. Some condition in his life. Maybe it was physical. Some scholars believe that he suffered from malaria and from from uh, uh, blindness in 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 part of his in part of his sight. And others believe that he had suffered perhaps from a divorce. It's unclear. But there was something in his life, some condition that constantly came back. Just picked at it. 
but he knew a good physician. And three times he went to God and he said, Lord, remove this thorn in the flesh from me. Remove this condition from me. And we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, that God said to him, My grace is sufficient for you. He says to him, Paul, you are going to have to endure this because I am allowing it to stay in your life. I am allowing this condition in your life because it's going to make you the man that I want you to be. And so in the meantime, you need to yield to that and understand that my grace is sufficient. What was he saying? My grace, that word is reference to the, uh, the divine help of God. We speak of grace and we know that grace refers to unmerited favor. But it also refers to that help that we receive from God in the hour of our need. And I'm here today to tell you that God's grace is sufficient for you. And Dr. Jesus will write today a prescription of grace. And saying to you, it doesn't matter the trial you're going through, the test, the calamity, the need, the, uh, the infirmity, the trial. He says to you, I am enough. I am sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. And I just want to, I want to point that out, for, point this out for a few people. If you are someone who's considering Christ today. You're saying, preacher, I would like to be a Christian. I would like to serve God. I would like to be a man or woman of faith, but I'm not sure that I have what it takes to make it. I'm not sure that I have what it takes to really be a Christian, to really be a servant of God. Can I tell you, friend, that God's grace will be sufficient for you. For there is not a one of us in this room who've been a Christian for any length of time, who have not faced the same challenges that you face in your heart today. And maybe you say, I don't know if I could do it. We didn't know either. But God's grace has brought us through. God's grace has brought us through every test, through every trial, through every temptation, through every stress. And he has made us his children. He has made us his servants. He's made us his friends. When you say yes to Christ, it's not a momentary decision. It's not a, just a momentary experience, but it is a lifetime experience of the grace of God. To you, young Christian, who've just begun your spiritual pilgrimage, you've just now begun your, your, your journey of faith. And maybe you're wondering if you will have what it takes If you'll ever be able to pray and get an answer. Maybe you're thinking, I wonder if I'll ever learn to pray at all. I wonder if I'll ever learn to understand the Bible. And maybe it all seems so overwhelming right now. Can I tell you, friend, that God's grace is sufficient for you. He will mature you into a mature man or woman in Christ. He's not going to leave you stranded. He's not going to leave you half-baked. He's going to make you all that he wants you to be. Hallelujah. Para que el joven cristiano 
que recién ha empezado, ingresado su jornada de fe y quizás tú piensas, yo no sé si la voy a poder hacer, no sé si tengo la fuerza necesaria, si tengo la fe necesaria, quizás usted dice, nunca voy a entender la Biblia, nunca voy a aprender a orar, nunca voy a ser como los otros cristianos, déjeme decirte amigo, Dios no te va a dejar solo, no te va a dejar en el camino, su gracia será suficiente para ti y te cargará hasta el fin y Hará de ti un hombre maduro, una mujer madura en la fe. To the working Christian, to you, friend who has been engaged in the work of the ministry, you have done as much as you can and often without seeing all the results that you desired, but you have worked diligently for God and you have put your life at his service and you say, I don't know, Pastor. I don't know if I can bear this cross another year. I don't know if I can do the ministry that God has called me to. I don't know if I can fulfill the call of God on my life. Can I tell you, sir? Can I tell you, ma'am? God's grace is sufficient for you. Para aquel ministro, aquel trabajador cristiano el cual dice pastor yo he dado mis dones y he trabajado para el Señor pero no sé si pueda terminar la carrera, no sé si pueda hacer todo lo necesario para cumplir mi deber de, de el llamado de Dios en mi vida hermano te digo hoy la gracia de Dios es suficiente para ti Paul said I work harder than all of the apostles And yet not I, but the grace of God in me. Dijo Pablo, yo trabajo más duro que todos los apóstoles, pero no yo, sino la gracia de Dios en mí. Can I tell you, friend, if you're looking at quitting, look up. The grace of God is sufficient for you. Si parece que vas a desvanecer, mira hacia arriba, amigo. La gracia de Dios es suficiente para ti. To the tempted Christian. Al cristiano, cristiano que ha sido tentado. Maybe the enemy has come in to tempt you. It's a failure. He's tempted you to sin. Maybe he has tempted you to lie in order to get ahead financially. Maybe he's tempted you with sexual temptation. Maybe he's tempted you with the pleasures of the passing uh, of the passing pleasures of sin. Maybe he's dangled a carrot in front of you, and you uh, you know that it's wrong, and you know that it is destructive. But you have been tempted, and you wonder whether you'll be able to overcome the temptation. Can I tell you, friend, that I know a good doctor, and he is able to deliver you from every temptation. He is uh, your help in the time of trouble. He says that there is no temptation overtaking you but such as is common to man. And with every temptation, God has made a door of escape. When you're tempted, look around. There's a door somewhere. His name is Dr. Jesus. He is the deliverer of the tempted and the tried. Maybe today you are the suffering Christian. Enduring hardship like a good soldier. Passing through the furnace 
of affliction. Maybe you are suffering today. You wonder when will the suffering end? Suffering with your body, maybe suffering in relationships, maybe suffering financially, and you wonder whether or not you'll be able to see the light of another day. Maybe you're suffering from depression, and you're in the darkness of the valley of death and shadows. Can I tell you that Jesus, Dr. Jesus, is a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He is able to support you in the suffering of your soul. To the backslidden Christian. You say preacher I don't know if I can make it back. I don't know if he'll take me. Dr. Too Late has told me that it's over for me. Can I tell you, friend, that if you will look to Jesus, he will save you even now at this very moment, that he will rescue your soul from the very ravages of hell and sin. You must only look to him, return to him, run to him as a prodigal that runs home. And if you say, will he take me? He says, yes, I'll take you. I will receive you. He said there is not one that he'll reject. He said no one who calls upon the name of the Lord will ever be turned away. I, Lord, I love to preach just because of that verse. No one who ever calls on the name of the Lord will ever be turned away. If I had to preach a gospel for, for just a certain race or a certain ethnic group, or if I had to preach a gospel for a certain financial uh, condition, there wouldn't be much joy in the gospel. But the gospel that we preach is a gospel for the rich and the poor, for the black, the white, the Hispanic, the, the Asian. It's a gospel for the whole world that whosoever will, let him come. And you, friend, if you be backslidden today, Cold in your heart toward God. Cold in your spirituality. Can I tell you that Dr. Jesus is the remedy for your soul. He is the answer that you need. For the old and aged Christian. You say, Pastor. I'm getting old and my faith is wearing on. I don't know if I can hang in there. I don't know if I can be faithful to the end. God's grace is sufficient for you. The psalmist says, when I am old and very gray-headed, O God, will not forsake me. Maybe you look like you're at the short end of life. And all of life's years behind you. God's grace is sufficient for you. When you come to the day of death and you find yourself staring headlong into eternity, you'll be a dying Christian. Maybe your family will surround you to say goodbye. Oh, may you then be in Christ. Wherever your deathbed may be someday, friend, I can assure you this. Maybe your pastor will be there. Maybe your family will be there. But I can assure you this. Dr. Jesus will be there. I know a good doctor. He'll take you into the by and by. 
to the eternal heaven which God has prepared for you. Do you know a good doctor? Job said, you are worthless physicians. But I know a good doctor. He is the great physician and he knows precisely what you need. And his grace is sufficient even for you. You don't have to make an appointment. You don't have to wait in line. You don't have to fill out any forms. Praise God for that. He won't ask you if you have insurance. He'll say to you, come in. Sit with me a while. Tell me about all your trouble. Let me heal and cure and satisfy and save. Father, we thank you tonight that we have an all-sufficient Savior. I pray tonight that Dr. Jesus would walk through the aisles of this church. And where there is faith, that he would cause faith to increase. And where there is no faith, that faith would rise up to meet him. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would walk through the aisles of this church and that you would touch the broken, the needy, the, the weary, the worn, the tired, the warrior, the backslidden, the aged, the suffering, the young, the old, that you would make perfect remedy for their need tonight. I believe God. And I believe that he is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we could ask or even imagine. And I pray in Jesus' name that you would do it tonight. For the glory of God.